Well, praise God. Let's turn now to our uh, Bibles, if you have them. If you don't have them, there are Bibles there you can use on the, the bookcase there. Um, we, we bought some for that very purpose. Um, or you can just listen along. So um, we, we had our reading anyway. So I'm just going to get into Psalm 2. And just, we've looked at this before. And we'll look at it again because it's very topical, very pertinent up to the minute. And we look around at what's going on in the nations. And as I said, if you've got a whistling kettle, you might be forgiven for mistaking it as a bomb flying overhead. And, um, you know, we're laughing, but it's a very real threat. I really believe, without being dramatic or, you know, a panic merchant, that nuclear war is nearer to us than maybe any time since the Second World War, even during the Cold War, um, because of what's going on. And these things escalate, and sometimes they're taken almost out of the control of human hands. Because, you know, anyway, we're not going to get into all that. We're going to look at the Bible and what it has to say about peace. Because I want to speak this morning about peace. And peace is not just something, peace is not just the absence of conflict. And peace is not just some kind of gooey feeling or emotion or atmosphere. Peace is a person, the Prince of Peace. Amen. But look what it says here in Psalm 2. Why do the heathen raise? Now, heathen is an old word um, that maybe has different connotations for folks back then, but it just simply means in the Hebrew, Nations. Why do the nations rage? And modern translations translate it as that. Um, so why do the nations rage? Or why are the nations in a tumult? And the people imagine a vain thing or engage in futility. The Bible asks a question here. And if we believe that it was King David that wrote this, as scholars and rabbis do believe, then King David, who was the king that God made, and given an eternal throne, which the Bible actually calls the throne of the Lord. If King David is asking this question, then, and he answers the question, and God answers the question in the next verse, why do the nations raise and the people imagine a vain thing? The next verse tells us the kings of the earth are the problem. The kings of the earth, or the rulers, or the, the, the high hegians, as we would say here in Scotland, the kings of the earth and the rulers. Now, how many people know that the kings and the rulers can be different? You know, a lot of our kings, as we call them, our, our national rulers, they're not really the powers that, that, that be. The powers that be are the ones that are controlling them. Amen? So very often that's, that would be businessmen, bankers, uh, the people that prop up and pay and bribe our government leaders. They're the real rulers because our, if uh, we have a national leader that has compromised themselves, that has maybe been blackmailed, bribed, whatever, it's the people behind them that control them. And sadly, in this broken world, there are many people like that. So it says the kings of the earth set themselves or they take up a position we would say a mindset 
They have an agenda, a mindset. Uh, and it says, and the rulers take counsel together. And that can be translated from the Hebrew as they conspire together. So there is a conspiracy. People say, oh, you one of those conspiracy nuts? Then, yes, I am, because the Bible says there's a conspiracy. So I believe what the Bible says. Amen? I don't believe what the media says. I don't believe what Facebook says. I don't believe what Sky News says. I believe what the Bible says. So the kings of the earth, the rulers, the presidents, the prime ministers, and, of course, those nations that have a monarchy, and the rulers, they take counsel, they conspire together. For what purpose? Again, we're not left in doubt. We're told, against the Lord. Against the Lord. And, of course, in your Bibles, it will be the Lord in capital letters, which means it's the Hebrew name Yahweh, or God the Father, we would say. Against God the Father, and against his anointed, which is Christ, of course. And as you read into the New Testament, you see it's talking here about Jesus Christ, his son, the anointed one, and anti-Christ, anti-Christus, against his anointed. So it's saying here there's a problem in planet Earth, and sometimes that problem is... You know, if you like, it's, it's milder than at other times. Like two or three weeks ago, we didn't have war in Ukraine. We had the threat of it. But there are always wars and rumours of wars. But today we're sitting going, you know, am I going to get to finish my tea before the bombs come in? Amen. Um, because it's a threat. It becomes a greater threat. And the reason it becomes a greater threat is because the nations are in a tumult or rage. And it means, we would say, there's bother. There's, there's bother amongst the nations. There's trouble. The nations are troubled. And the reason being, it's because, not because of us. Not because we're causing the trouble. The only reason maybe that we caused the trouble was that we elected the wrong people into power. <coughs> so if you say, well, who do we vote for? I don't know. I've not found somebody that's worthy of the vote, if I'm being really honest, in any party. So it's not a, you know, well, I'm a Tory saying don't vote Labour. Or I'm a unionist saying don't vote SNP. Folks, they're all guilty. Because it's not the people, or we say the plebs, or Joke Tamsin's Bairns, that are to fault here, or at fault. It's the leaders, the ones we elect. And you've got to sometimes say, why did they put themselves up for election? Because they have an agenda. And the Bible tells us what that agenda is. It's against the Lord and against his anointed. Or he would say it's against God and against Jesus Christ. And here's what they're saying. It says, here's what they say. Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Well, what's that talking about? What it's saying is that national rulers and leaders do not want to be restrained by Christians and by the Bible and by what God says in his word. So we're not talking here about nations that are um, Buddhist nations or Hindu or all that. He's talking here about our nations. We would call it Western nations because the Bible doesn't have much to say in all these other nations, but it does here. And let me, let's be honest, the trouble isn't over in those nations. It's in what we'd call, well, right now it's in Europe. 
Western Christian nations. I'm not saying that Russia's a Western nation, but it is a Christian nation, traditionally. And he's saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. The rulers of this earth do not want a Christian uh, nation anymore. They don't want to be governed by God's word. They don't want Christians telling them what to do. They don't want to be bound by that. They want to make laws that are against God's word. And they don't want to be told you can't do that. And quite frankly, there was a time, uh, probably still in our lifetimes, where they wouldn't get away with what they're getting away with now because the church was too strong for them. But the church is not strong anymore. The church, the, the body of Christ, so they're, they're getting away with it. Now, some, a lot of this you have to remember, folks, is, is prophetic. It's speaking about, you know, most of the Bible, most of it, the vast majority of it, points to the end times. It doesn't mean it doesn't have something to say for people in the 15th and 16th and 17th centuries and throughout. But most of the Bible is really geared towards the end times, which we're living in, most folks believe. So he says, he that, let us break the bands asunder, cast away the, In other words, we don't want this Christian stuff anymore. We don't want this Bible stuff. We don't want these Bible thumpers. We don't want these pastors and ministers and all these loony Christians telling us what should be. In fact, today, and it's actually now been cancelled, I don't know why, but the, the Glasgow cabbie guy, Steph, that I mentioned, who's doing all this stuff against the government, sexualising our children, he was meant to be having a demonstration today at one o'clock, but it's cancelled. But, you know, people are rising up. But, you know, let me just say this. Councils don't want to be told. Governments don't want to be told. You can't do this to our children. They don't want to be told that. They're saying, cast away all this stuff. We'll do what we want. So the Bible identifies the problems. And here is the Lord's response. And it's, it's maybe not one you and I, we would get maybe scared. We would maybe get a little bit panicky. Look what's going on in the world just now. They're changing everything that we knew to be a God-fearing, Christian, decent society. They're throwing all that away. And you may get a little bit fearful or you might get a little bit angry, or you might get a bit of both. But look what God's response is. He that sitteth, verse 4, in the heavens shall laugh. Oh, God is laughing at what's going on. That's not the response you and I would expect. It says the Lord shall have them in derision. Now, this is important to see this, okay? When it says the Lord shall have them in derision... The Lord there is written in its capital L, then small O-R-D. So it's not talking about God the Father, it's talking about Jesus. It says, the Lord, as in Jesus, shall have them in derision. In other words, he, he, is, he looks at them and he is sneering at, at them in a sense. I don't like that word. But he has them in derision as if nonsense. He's laughing. Now, why is he laughing? Because he knows that they are engaging in futility. In other words, let's put it this way. It is futile to oppose God and his kingdom. Now, we are taught by the Lord to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as long as Christians are faithfully praying that, then that means that they may try to overthrow his kingdom 
but they'll never succeed. That's why the Lord is laughing. Because his kingdom ruleth over all. And the Bible says his throne is from everlasting to everlasting. It's an eternal throne. You're not going to knock God off his throne. Now we used to sing that chorus, God is still on the throne. Amen. Um, what's the next bit? How's it go? He will remember his own. Yes, just that went out of my mind there. Um, he will remember his own. Now that's just a nice wee chorus. But the truth of it is in here because he will remember the prayers of his saints. And if we're praying as we're taught to pray, Lord, your kingdom come to Scotland. Your kingdom come to Britain. Your kingdom rules over all. As long as we're saying that, if you like, we're the resistance. We're the resistance. You remember the, the, the French resistance in the Second World War? You know, and um, you, you, well, some of you just might remember a low, a low. You know, and it wasn't a low, a low, we are the Billy Boys. Amen. <laughs> just thought I'd throw that one in. Uh, but I know that was a, a comedy, but there was obviously a real French resistance. We are the resistance, folks, against this encroachment. Now, we are not one to be holy rollers, Bible thumpers, and uh, as Hannah would say, fun suckers. Amen. We, you know, like the Puritans, they banned Christmas and all that. We're not saying to folks, being a, uh, being a Christian nation means we can't have any fun. Being holy means that you can't, you do not dare laugh or, or, or have any kind of enjoyment. Okay? But that's how people portray us. That's how, oh, you Christians, you're, you know, you want to take away folks' fun. But a lot of the fun is damaging. You know, it's fun. I'm told, I wouldn't know, but I'm told drugs is fun. Amen? But I do know alcohol's fun. But it's not fun the following morning. It's not fun when you see people having to get a liver transplant. Sin is fun, folks. And not all fun is sin. Do you understand? But anyway, well, we, could pre- we could have a whole sermon about that. So he says, then shall he speak to them in his wrath. God is laughing at them. Jesus is laughing at them. But you see, the problem is, is that he can get angry if it goes on. He says, then shall he speak to them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. His laughter at them, his derision of them, is not because he's amused, but because he understands they can't win. The, the, the biggest problem we have on planet Earth is the devil thinks he can, he can win. He's never been persuaded otherwise. Amen? I remember a preacher saying that somebody once said to him, do you not have anything good to say about the devil? And he said, well, there is one thing. He's persistent. Amen? And that's about the only thing you can say. He's persistent in his belief, his delusion, that at the end of all, this, that when we wrap everything up of this age that he's going to beat God but God is angry at the nations he shall speak to them in his wrath we don't have to question what's God thinking right now because he says he'll speak to them in his wrath in his anger and vex them in his sore displeasure why because it says yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion now that's talking about Jesus 
But um, I'm just going to leave that bit there because I'm going to get Brother David to come and preach a message to us um, one week weekend that, that he recently preached, which was absolutely wonderful. And it touches into this. But he's talking about Jesus. Okay? I will declare the decree, the Lord God the Father that is, hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Now this is quoted a lot in the New Testament. And what it's really saying is, God the Father said to Jesus, then it says, verse 8, Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. See, the nations are the inheritance of Jesus. And the Bible does say that there are sheep nations, if you like, and goat nations. There are obedient nations and there will be disobedient nations. But the nations are Jesus' inheritance. And the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession, I think I've shared this many times and I'll say it again, the uttermost parts of the earth in Bible times and when this was written, it's not just like what we would say, the far-flung corners of the globe. It has a literal uh, specified geographical uh, destination, if you like, and it normally meant the north coastlands of Europe, but mainly the British Isles. When he said the uttermost parts of the earth, he was talking about the British Isles. That's in, in, in Scripture. The ends of the earth and so on. Or the uttermost parts of the earth. That would be in the understanding in biblical times. Oh, he means far away in the British Isles. So folks, think about this. Britain belongs to Jesus. Now even you say, well, you know, but look, look at the history of Britain. We've been a Christian nation since not long after Jesus rose from the dead. In the AD 30s, there were, there were people sent here. It's believed that all the apostles came here. Certainly, and I'll be speaking about this next week in a meeting, Paul came to Britain, it's believed. There's a lot of ancient uh, evidence of that. And so it's so important to understand Britain has always been in God's heart. Scotland has always been in God's heart. Amen? So I believe that Scotland is the possession of Jesus, that Britain is the inheritance of King Jesus. It says, Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. The nations he's talking about. Now, he's not saying that God is out to smash up the nations and destroy everybody. That's not what he means. What he means is, you know, he means that they will be his possession and he will break them if they need it. Amen? Just like you break a dog or a horse. Amen? The nations are in the state right now where they're rebelling against God. But he says that God, that Jesus will break them in pieces. What with his word? Amen. And you know, if you're a Christian today sitting under the sound of my voice, you were broken in pieces when you heard that gospel message because it broke through that hardness of your heart. Amen. You know, surgeons don't cut you up to damage you and hurt you. They cut you up to heal you and restore you. And that's what he really means by that. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt break them in pieces like a, dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. But this is the advice to these kings. You know, if Nicholas Sturgeon came in and sat in that back row right now, if Boris Johnson came in, if President Biden, 
you know, came in and, you know, was partly compassmentous and knew who he was um, and sat down. This would be the word that we would have to say to them. Not just me, the preacher, but all of us. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, which means to embrace Jesus. Worship Jesus, that's really what he's saying. Lest he be angry and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 2. We'll look at our couple of scriptures before we close. And one of them is in Isaiah chapter 2. And it's what I want to speak about really this morning. I wanted to make that introduction to say that God has a message for national rulers. And it is the duty of Christians to deliver that to them. And I know Christians who do that. Okay? But there's maybe not as many as there used to be. And you know who was probably the greatest person to ever do that in Scotland was John Knox. Because John Knox spoke in the Royal Courts. He spoke to Mary, Queen of Scots. He spoke in England to the boy, uh, the boy king, Edward. He spoke to national rulers. And he, this is what he told them. You have, to, you have to bow the knee to a higher king. That was the whole thing about the Covenanters. The Covenanters didn't say, we don't want a king. Uh, we want to be a republic or a democracy. They didn't say that. They said... We, we're happy to have a king, a king over Scotland. But they said, but that king has to bow the knee and acknowledge that Jesus is king over them. And they have to sign that covenant. And of course, Charles II did then reneged on it and started killing them to his shame and the shame of the Stuart house. Anyway, Isaiah chapter 2, the word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. This, these are wonderful words. And right now, folks, if, you've got, if your heart is troubled at what's going on in Ukraine and across the nations and the saber-rattling, the warmongering that's going on, listen to this. Many people shall go and say, Come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. Sorry, my apologies. I didn't read verse 2, I'll read that. It shall come to pass in the last days. These are the days we are living in, folks. That the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains. Mountains is a metaphor for nations and kingdoms. He says, the mountain of the Lord's house, the ecclesia of God, the kingdom of God, shall be established in the top of the mountains. In other words, shall be over all the other mountains over all the nations, over all the different people groups, over all the different organizations and institutions, shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. David was telling me that in, uh, the way down today, he saw quite a lot of churches where people were packing in because people are scared, folks. They're scared of what's coming. They're scared of what's possibly coming, is what I'm saying. Okay? And God does not want us to be fearful, but he wants us to understand what his word says. His word says, this is his purpose, 
that all nations shall flow to the mountain of the Lord's house. Or we could say, come to church. They'll flow. And it says, many people shall go and say, come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways. What's needed right now in planet Earth is that people need to learn God's ways. Because man's ways will always lead to one thing, war. Has it ever been anything else? Those of you who remember the, the Great War, the First World War, um, <laughs> they couldn't avoid it. The War of the Cousins, yeah? The cousins fell out, so they all went to war with each other. Amen. You know, the royal, the royal houses all went to war with each other. And who paid the price? Millions of people. Millions of people perish. We celebrate it uh, in Armistice Day, Remembrance Day. The cousins fell out, and it was the plebs that paid the price. It's always the people that pay the price. I mean, no, Sam Nicholas paid a, a price, he and his family. But the ways of man are the ways of war. Then the bloodshed. Then, of course, the Second World War, uh, Hitler and so on, Mussolini, all of that. The ways of man lead to war. And you always get somebody who stand up, oh, it's not, going to, it's not going to go that far. It's not going to go that far. Peace in our time. Peace in our time. Then what happens? Boom. That's why we can't right now say, folks, ah, no, it'll, it'll all be sorted out. Men, men don't sort out these things. Only God can sort out these things. It says to teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. It's about time. You know, somebody said the other day, and it's so true, the only thing that we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. But folks, we need to start learning because we don't have what we had in the First World War and Second World War, young men getting constricted and going to boot camp and learning you know, how to hold a gun. And we don't have time for that. If this one kicks off, you won't even have time to get home from the supermarket. So it's time that we saw this in action, that men will say, no, let's, let's, and we'll read on what it says. It says, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Now watch this, this is a bit I want us to see. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And what about these wonderful words? And they shall beat their swords into plowshares. They'll trade their weapons for something that's a blessing. Not for something that kills. And their spears and the pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. And look at this wonderful phrase. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Men need to stop learning war. And that's not just talking about nations and armies and navies and air forces. That's... that's Boys at school. Now, I'm not saying that boys should learn how to be pansies. Okay, and, 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 we, and we Jesses, as my dad would say. But it's, it's, it's like you don't resolve things with fisticuffs. Amen? So war is not God's plan for man. The Bible says, and we're running out of time, so I'll bring this to a close. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So finally, just on that note, I'll just close with this. 2 Timothy chapter 1, we'll just rattle through this. 
so we can get closed. And, and, uh, sorry, First Timothy chapter 2, so the way around. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. Watch this, for kings and for all that are in authority who we have just read are the problem. They're the ones causing the nations to be in a tumult. So if we pray for them, as the Bible tells us, we can pray that they'll straighten up and fly right. Amen. We can pray, Lord, grab a hold of these kings, these leaders, these prime ministers that are hell-bent and going to war. And that's not just Putin folks. They're all at it. You know, they just love confrontation, hostility, warfare. Kings and all that are in authority, that we may, watch this, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Praying for kings, praying for prime ministers, praying for national leaders, that God would penetrate through their futility and wickedness sometimes and nonsense and cause them to see that they need to bow the knee to King Jesus. That's a hard thing to pray. That's a hard ask. Because look at how wicked some of them are. Look at how dumb some of them are. Yes, that's why they need to be prayed for. So that's our job. Our job is to pray. Why? So we have a quiet and peaceable. In other words, peace comes through praying for national rulers. Peace comes through praying that they will embrace King Jesus. That they will stop resisting God and his word and his son and his church. And say, right, only God knows how to successfully and properly govern nations. Amen. And of course, we have the example of biblical kings, David and Solomon and so on. Um, But we also have God's. This is a manual for the rulers of the earth. Sadly, it's one they're not looking up. Amen. Let's pray that they start to do that, folks. The Lord bless you.